0: Hey, so, I just got home, and uh, I'm in Atlanta. just been delivered a package. That package is an iPad. And on that iPad is a script. This pillow's doing my nothing. And that script is Spider-Man 3. So I'm about to find out what I'm going to be doing for the next five months. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, because I've learned my lesson. But, um, I'm serious. Oh, shit. I broke this iPad. Um, Okay, I'm going to read this now, and I can't wait, and I'll speak to you all soon. Okay, so, we just landed in Atlanta, and uh, (laughs) it's time for Spider-Man 3, let's go!
1: Welcome back, everyone. It's Charlie. The spectacular Spoiler Man is at it again. So, this is going to be my new Spider Man 3 video. Tom Holland just arrived on the set. We got Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange coming in pretty soon, too. So, we'll break it all down. If you're brand new to the channel, be sure to subscribe to get all the videos. We have a bunch of big stuff coming up before the end of the year, too. Bunch of big Marvel, bunch of big Star Wars Mandalorian stuff. We'll do a new Disney plus giveaway all you have to do to enter is be a subscriber and let me know what kind of multiverse Easter eggs you want to see during Spider-Man 3. So just starting with the big stuff first recently Tom Holland posted videos of himself arriving in Atlanta to shoot Spider-Man 3 finally he'd been finishing his work on the Uncharted movie also from Sony Sony doing both of those movies. And if you remember from Spider- man Far From Home, this video of him trying to spoil the movie using the script is basically the exact same thing that he did a couple years ago with the title reveal. He was walking around with the iPad and just flashed to the screen like, oops, what I just do there? I wanted
0: to apologize because there's no real revelations coming out this weekend about Spider-Man 2. I don't know much about it. Um, I'm a little confused because I died. So I don't really know how it all comes into play, but I do know is i got the new script, I'm super excited to read it, and it's going to be great. So yeah, Spider-Man 2, let's do this.
1: Nowadays, a lot of the stuff that Tom Holland spoils is on purpose as part of Sony's marketing department scripting everything for him behind the scenes. So it's a little less spontaneous, it's not quite as cool as when he's actually spoiling stuff. Like here's the part where you talk and then you hold the tablet up and show them what the title of the movie is. Don't worry they'll give us a Spider-Man 3 title reveal later this year. There was a Sony marketing executive saying that they were going to release a preview by December. This video is actually a much better example of what a free flowing Tom Holland spectacular spoiler man looks like when he's actually getting ready to spoil something for real. Like this is Benedict Cumberbatch running interference in interviews trying to stop him from doing that.
0: Careful. Oh, I can't talk Careful. about this.
2: I can't no. talk
3: about this.
1: Oh, <laughs> moving on, moving yes. on. My gut <laughs> <spine laughs> sense was going. What the <laughs> boom. All those Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame videos of them together will also remind you. Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is going to be the big Avengers crossover character in Spider-Man 3. The pitch that all the Hollywood trades were reporting was that Doctor Strange would be taking Iron Man's place as sort of a mentor figure to Spider-Man. I'll address all the Doctor Strange stuff during the movie later in the video. But number four, of course Tom Holland just as hyped up about Spider-Man 3 as you are. And talking about future Venom crossover, the director of the Uncharted movie that he was just working on is Ruben Fleischer, the director of the Venom movie. Andy Serkis is directing Venom 2. I mean, they've already finished filming. They're in post-production right now, but he did that for a couple reasons. Mostly because when it came time to roll a camera on Venom 2, Ruben Fleischer wasn't going to be ready to film the movie. But Sony wanted to get started and they still liked him. So the Uncharted movie was supposed to start filming after Venom 2, so they just put him on that. And there's a little more humor in that film. He's more of a comedic director. Andy Serkis is a little bit better with motion capture, which is super important for the way that they film the Venom and Carnage characters. So it was just a big upgrade to bring Andy Serkis onto the movie. The virus just messed all the movie schedules up for everyone's movies, so that's why they decided to have Tom Holland film Uncharted before he filmed Spider-Man 3. Right now Spider-Man 3 is still coming out during the Christmas holiday next year they're on the same turnover schedule as they were on the last two Spider-Man movies so just in terms of spotting the new Spider-Man suits and things on the set that they feature in the movie we might get a look at those later in December or early next year really any anytime that they need to film outdoors with him in the new costumes that's really when you find out about that stuff and that's when they have him go on Jimmy Kimmel and officially reveal everything like yeah we know that you all saw this on set but this is what's going on.
0: Right. Hey, oh, Colin. here we go. That's
3: you, right? No, that's
0: Matt's mask. Mine's the one with the white
1: oh, eyes. Oh,
3: right, 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 right. All right, here you go.
1: So, as you go without saying, yes, Spider Man is probably going to get a couple new suits during Spider Man 3, just like he got the new black stealth suit from Nick Fury, and then he made the Steve Ditko inspired classic Spider Man suit for himself using Iron Man's Fabricator. We all saw all those different suit easter eggs that Iron Man had designs for. I think the logic there is that when Iron Man was designing the Stark Tech suit originally for Captain America Civil War, then the Iron Spider suit for Spider-Man Homecoming, he was workshopping a ton of different iterations and all those iterations were just different versions from the comics. Obviously we all want to see Spider-Man wear a version of the symbiote at some point, but I believe that they're saving that for a big big Venom Spider-Man crossover. All the different suits that they show during this montage though are the comic book Iron Spider, the classic colors, the superior Spider-Man Doctor Octopus suit, the ends of the Earth Spider-Man armor, the classic Spider armor, and the Secret War suit. Not to be confused with Secret Wars. Secret War is a different event that happened a little bit later. Marvel just really liked using the Secret Wars name because it was such a popular event. Number three, the big thing about Spider Man 3 that's different in terms of him getting new Spider Man suits and technology is mostly that he's on the run, arguably for the entire film. So logically, it just wouldn't make as much sense for him to have a super flashy, fully loaded version of the suit. Classic Spider Man never really carried around that much gear on him beyond the mechanical web shooters and the refill cartridges and his webbing fluid. A lot of you longtime comic book Spider-Man fans have been calling for Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man to be doing more stuff on his own, not needing help from Iron Man or the other Avengers. Kevin Feige and the Spider-Man movie producers have been talking about how Spider-Man Far From Home was supposed to be him quote unquote graduating to make as many high school metaphors as possible, so to speak, from Spider-Boy to becoming Spider-Man. Even the costume designer on the movie that designed the new Spider-Man suit said that that was what that was meant to signify him making the suit doing that big Iron Man callback Easter egg where he's putting his hands in all that tech is meant to be him graduating to Spider-Man. So the odds of his next new Spider-Man suits in Spider-Man 3 being way more homemade versions of the suit or like a thousand percent greater he's on his own nowhere to run. What is he gonna do after the first few major action scenes with the sinister six villains in the movie like Electro when they shred his suit? Number two, speaking of big costume easter eggs, since Doctor Strange is crossing over there's a big Spider-Man easter egg from the comics that I hope they go for just paying off something that they set up way back during Avengers infinity war. When Spider-Man and Iron Man boarded Ebony Maw's ship to save Doctor Strange, Peter's waiting up trying to figure out what to do next and Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation shows up with Iron Man. They talk it out then Peter tries to have a moment with the cloak but it stiffs him and just takes off like don't leave me hanging bro. But in the comics Spider-Man did wear a cape once and they even turned it into a joke during Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man does not wear a cape nope and then the cape shows up later in the spider cave. They can totally pay off that Avengers infinity war spider cape joke in Spider-Man 3 or even Doctor Strange 2 if Spider-Man is also gonna have a cameo scene in that movie briefly then of course number one what is Doctor Strange actually going to be doing during Spider-Man 3 So if he's supposed to be a mentor to Spider-Man on the level of Iron Man, that really means like two longer scenes early in the movie and at the end of the movie, with him also giving a little assist during one of the major battles. So Doctor Strange would have seen Mysterio's video at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. The whole world was meant to see the video. So as Spider-Man goes on the run, the producers were joking that he literally has nowhere to hide in that Sinister Six teaser that I did a couple days ago. Where would he actually go to hide? the sanctum that's the only place he'd really be safe. So remember that funny scene in Thor Ragnarok where they're standing outside wondering what to do next after they can't find Odin and out of nowhere a portal just opens below Loki snatching him. Imagine Spider-Man getting a version of that early in the movie like he's running ducks into an alleyway and just as he's about to get caught Doctor Strange opens a portal yoinking him to the sanctum helping him out. You also have to remember the multiverse of it all. Scarlet Witch in WandaVision has already thoroughly messed up the multiverse at this point in Marvel phase four. We're probably going to start seeing some Spider-Man multiverse Easter eggs sort of paying off the setup that they had for Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm not expecting a ton of live action Spider-Verse stuff right away. I just feel like they want to see that idea out there so that they can actually turn it into a movie down the road if they want to go that far. But everyone let me know in the comments, what else do you want to see Doctor Strange do during Spider-Man 3 and when do you want to see Tom Holland start spoiling stuff. My video for the Mandalorian season 2 episode 1 video is going to post on Friday, they'll be doing weekly episodes, 8 episodes total just like season 1. After that is when we're getting all the Avengers WandaVision episodes, I'll also be doing videos for that too. So make sure you have alerts enabled for my channel so you see all the videos. But while you wait for everything click here for that brand new Avengers Moon Knight teaser trailer video that they just released and click here for my brand new Spider-Man 3 Sinister 6 video. Thank you so much for watching everyone stay safe I'll see you guys tonight!
0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to Everything Always. My name's Michael Roman. Now, when Marvel moved the phase four slate the first time this year, I was quick to point out that while we got dates tentatively three years in advance, there was no announcement about the Disney Plus shows set to release this year, and that was only further compounded when they moved the slate and shuffled it a second time and still didn't mention Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or WandaVision. I speculated it's because they needed to finish principal photography, and earlier in the year, there was no promise we'd be making it back to set. But all those fears were put to rest recently, Falcon in the Winter Soldier wrapping WandaVision shortly behind it. Now there's a brand new update from an official source that confirms WandaVision's release date, and it's earlier than we thought. We're gonna break down where this is coming from, why it can be trusted, and what it means for the US debut of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. We're gonna break it all down. But first, quickly, if you could grab the subscribe button. Button, we're still giving away this insane 1 4 scale beta ray bill as well as our third and final infinity saga box set this December all you have to do to be entered to win hit the subscribe button then leave a comment down below and if you want stick around at the end of the video we'll get into all the giveaway stuff again there So Disney Plus is not worldwide. There are several countries where you can't get this service. And because of that, there will be local networks that will pick up shows that will air on Disney Plus and air them themselves. OSN is one such Middle East company that buys Disney Plus shows like The Mandalorian and WandaVision. And they recently, as in in the last day, tweeted out this photo showing that it comes out on the 28th of November in their country, which means That's the day after the 27th, the release premiere in the US and that's normally how it happens. It comes out in the US on whatever network it's supposed to. The next day, it premieres on OSN, not the other way around. They're not getting the debut in some other country where they don't even have Disney+. Plus. Now, this is super interesting. Obviously, industry insider Charles Murphy pointed to code in the original WandaVision landing page and said November 27th was the release. But when they released a recent promo officially from Disney that showed everything that was coming in November, WandaVision wasn't on it It just had one little screen at the end of that promo that said, and more. And as I mentioned in the prologue, Disney played this one super close to the vest, did not want to confirm a release date until principal photography was finished, and that promo aired last month before WandaVision was even close to wrapping. Now that we're much further along and things are looking much clearer, it's pretty clear to see that as soon as Mandalorian goes live here very soon, I would expect the second WandaVision trailer and the announcement of the official release date at the end of the month. As we've always made mention, Disney is really good about getting the most out of their marketing and stacking it, leaving things to have their time in the sun. If you go ahead and announce WandaVision, it may overshadow The Mandalorian's release, but rather, if you wait till The Mandalorian starts airing again, you'll have a bunch of new eyes who may not have turned on the Disney Plus app in a while, then you can announce WandaVision and get the most out of that. And I'm expecting 100% that that's what they're gonna do. Guys, let me know how hyped you are November 27th, sooner than December. You can see why they didn't put it in the November promo. It's basically December, but that's a huge weekend on Thanksgiving when everyone will sort of be around in family. It's a great time to release it. Let me know all your thoughts below, including how hype you are. Quickly, let's get into the giveaway stuff again before I let you go. We're still giving away this insane 14th scale beta ray bill at 750,000 subscribers, as well as our third and final Infinity Saga box set in December, regardless of the subscriber count. If you want to be entered to win these prizes or any of the other future ones, all of the same rules will always apply. Hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the videos. Leave a comment down below on the video and because it's truly random, the more videos that you comment on, the better chance you have of winning. And of course, if you enjoyed today's video and the content in general, make sure to hit the like button. My name is Michael Roman. This is everything always. If you guys want to follow me one step further, you can find me on Instagram at IamFires or follow me over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash L-L-E-N. There's links down in the description. Guys, thanks for checking out the channel. We'll be posting again real, real soon.
3: Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and the next chapter for Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a huge unknown. Between the tragic loss of Chadwick Boseman and the studio's repeated schedule shakeups, it's hard to know or to even talk about how the MCU could move on. But whatever Marvel is planning for Wakanda's future just got a potentially huge clue from the recently released in-universe book The Wakanda Files. A trove of canonical details about the weapons and tech of the MCU revealed by shuri's journal entries are you there boss it's me shuri and a kimono bead uv light that you probably won't want to point anywhere else Now I explored how this book revealed Tony Stark's secret insights and experiences with time travel, but really the major bombshell is Shuri's experiments to regrow the mystical heart-shaped herb of Wakanda that superpowers the Black Panther and was supposedly eradicated by fire by Killmonger in the first film. Nakia managed to salvage one of the plants to resuscitate T'Challa, but it appeared as though all the others had burned, leaving the question of who could take over after T'Challa a mystery even before. Bozeman's passing, but Are all the heart-shaped herbs truly gone from Wakanda? Are they? Well, according to this Marvel book, reviewed by Sci-Fi Wire, after Killmonger burned all the heart-shaped herbs, Shuri began looking into a way to synthesize the plant via botanical research. She noted that she considered stabilizing the effects of the synthetic herb by mixing in vibranium, but that she couldn't really move forward until she studied a sample of the original plant. Shuri also noted an interest in the extremely Research by Maya Hansen, that's the AIM botanist from Iron Man 3, who worked under Aldrich Killian. Shuri wrote that if you treat the human brain like a supercomputer, you can make it think that it has the abilities of cytosine and auxin like in plants, which could let the body regrow lost appendages, an idea that she described as having potential. Now, the go-to implication that you might be thinking about is a possible intention by Shuri to regrow the heart-shaped herb for her own personal use. After Black Panther came out a couple years back, many of us speculated that Shuri would one day take on the Black Panther mantle herself with her own vibranium suit following her arc in the comics. And while I do think that is definitely in the works for Shuri's future, we should, I think, pump the brakes and remember that there are many ways Ryan Coogler and the filmmaking team could go. Letitia Wright, for her part, said that when it comes to Black Panther 2, quote, We're just still mourning Chad, so it's not something I even want to think about. The thought of doing it without him is kind of strange. We're just grieving at the moment, so it's trying to find the light in the midst of it perfectly stated. I shall also point out that the passage from this Wakanda Files book explicitly leaves the door open to a natural solution, with Shuri still needing a sample from an original plant to move forward. And rewatching Black Panther, there is an interesting moment in the minutes after Killmonger torches the garden, when Nakia brings the plant to M'Baku in the Mountain Tribe. Her original plan was to let M'Baku consume the plant so that he could challenge Killmonger for the throne. Now, Of course, M'Baku shortly after revealed that T'Challa was still alive. But we were always left with that interesting hypothetical contingency of M'Baku stepping up as Black Panther. Why did he refuse this option? Like, he didn't have to tell them that T'Challa was still alive. Sure, Killmonger did defeat T'Challa and T'Challa had defeated M'Baku. But I don't think M'Baku was driven by fear in this moment. Loyalty to T'Challa after T'Challa spared him at Warrior Falls, maybe. Or, perhaps, another reason. Because watch M'Baku closely in this scene.
1: This is why we are here to offer this to you.
3: Come with me. Yeah, I think we missed something there. But while we're talking about super powered things we can consume and juice up and power on, thanks to a real life version of that Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Yum. Every can of Bang is 16 ounces. It contains 300 milligrams of caffeine. Whoa. It's sugar-free and it has zero calories, yet it tastes really good. Bang! There are over 20 different flavors to choose from. One of those great flavors is cotton candy. Do you know what cotton candy is? It's just a cloud of sweet. This is what it tastes like if that cloud were to just rain a sip in your mouth. That sip turns into a carnival that keeps you moving on all day long. Check out Bang on Instagram. You can get 25% off your order at bangenergy.com when you use the code NEWROCKSTARS25. There, you can buy cans of Bang Energy, including their sweet tea, keto coffee flavors, Bankster berry, purple guava pear. Air, Star Blast, Pina Colada. There's all kinds of great flavors. Uh, you can also get clothing, fitness supplements, all kinds of stuff to be your best bang self. Thanks again to Bang Energy for sponsoring this video. Get 25% off at bangenergy.com using the code NEWROCKSTARS25. Okay, so what original plant sample could Shuri have been referring to in these Wakanda files? From what we know of the heart-shaped herb, it was grown exclusively in the royal gardens of the Wakandan palace catacombs. Originally, it sprung up wildly in the Wakandan soils enriched by the vibranium meteorite with the original black panther led to it by bost then over the years the ruling tribe must have cultivated this strain so that it grew only in their private garden since it was the source of their power but we do know there are far reaches of this kingdom that are pretty closed off from the main tribes Four tribes agreed
2: to live under the king's rule But the Jabari tribe isolated themselves in
3: the mountains. Which brings us back to M'Baku in this moment. Could the true reason he refused Nakia's heart-shaped herb be that the Jabari already have their own secret strain of this plant growing in their mountain caves, a plant M'Baku has already consumed, yet still embarrassingly failed to overcome a depowered T'Challa at Warrior Falls? That humbling defeat could be what keeps keeps M'Baku quiet here. To take a purely grown original strain of the plant, after he's already taken his version, could have unknown effects, and likely force him to admit he tried to give himself an unfair advantage before. Really, I think some possible smoking gun evidence of M'Baku's secret plant consumption could have just revealed itself seconds earlier when he jokingly threatened Ross. (laughs) You cannot talk! One more word, and I will feed you to my children. I'm kidding, we have vegetarians. Now, yes, this could just be interpreted as a joke referencing M'Baku's problematic cannibalistic origins in the comics, but what if there's more to it? That the reason for the Jabari's insane strength, not just at Warrior Falls, but in the final battle, is the fact that they have been consuming as part of a regular vegetarian diet, a sister strain of the (laughs) heart-shaped herb. Not only would that strain's existence give Wakanda and Shuri a way forward to regrow the heart-shaped herb, it would give M'Baku a critical role in that narrative something he absolutely deserves considering he was at T'Challa and Akoya's side, not just in the battle against Killmonger, but against Thanos' forces in Infinity War, and in the Battle of Earth in Endgame. But it would do so in a way that still honors the incarnation of Black Panther T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, a warrior so strong that even when stripped of his superpowers, facing others with untold hidden strengths, still he powered through and exemplified a value for life and for friendship. What better tribute than that? I certainly prefer Black Panther M'Baku to, uh, like, Shuri using Iron Man 3 extremist goosebumps don't go in the basement shit to reanimate the flesh of Killmonger's corpse. He was the guy who burned all those plants to begin with. I think he made his statement and is stronger when he is still dead. But again, however the Black Panther creative team decides to move on here, we are in no rush. And it is totally understandable to still hold Chadwick's memory in our hearts and for that to be the priority for now. Look, it's fun to discuss the implications of new canonical details as they come up, but of course, we do not need for answers about his replacement just yet. In the meantime, discuss these nerdy theories with me on New Rockstar's official Discord server by becoming a Patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. Subscribe to New Rockstars here on YouTube, hit that notification bell, follow me on Instagram at EA Voss. follow New Rockstars. Thank you for watching, and remember, vote.
2: James Gunn decided to take a job with Warner Brothers and then given his choice of projects, he chose to do Suicide Squad. So that's where we're at with that. Working with Disney, tweets come out, fired from Disney, gets a job there. And then sometime after all of that, we find out that Disney and James Gunn had kissed and made up and that James Gunn was going to go back and do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 once he was done with DC Suicide Squad. However, it now looks like that timeline was completely different from reality. According to a story coming out now, and in, in a result of an interview that James Gunn did with Empire, James Gunn has now revealed that he joined Disney again. He rejoined the MCU. Not months later, but rather the day after he accepted the job with Warner Brothers, not the day after it became public that he had joined Warner Brothers and was doing Suicide Squad, but literally the day after that he privately accepted the job for Suicide Squad, Alan Horn gave McCall, they had talked it out, and they had decided. This means the timetable was much, much earlier. Like a whole hell of a lot earlier than a lot of us think. That shouldn't surprise us because that's normally how it works in this business. We hear an announcement, but more times than not, the content of that announcement was actually probably settled months before they ever made it public. Like, for instance, you know, when Ben Affleck was initially announced as Batman, they had actually agreed that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman like three or four months prior to them making the announcement. And that's what happens quite often. Anyway, here's what James Gunn had to say. This comes to us from the folks over at Empire. After hearing from Alan Horn, then of course, this is after one day after he accepted, and it wasn't made public yet, but one day after he accepted the Suicide Squad job. After hearing from Alan Horn the next day, Gunn knew he had to update MCU head honcho Kevin Feige on his next project, who, when told it was a DC movie, Kevin Feige asked James Gunn, Is it Superman? James Gunn stated that it wasn't Superman, although that was a possibility, he tells Empire. A lot of people forget that one of the movies that DC offered James Gunn was, you want to do a Superman movie? He opted to go with Suicide Squad instead and explained that he had chosen the Suicide Squad. Kevin Feige's reaction please, please make a good movie. Just make a great movie. While Marvel and DC have always been rivals, the big two in the comic book industry, Gunn hasn't had to keep his latest project secret from his friends at the MCU. Kevin knew who all the characters were months before we revealed them at Fandom, he says. He still knows who the villain is, writes James Gunn, talking about his interactions with Kevin Feige. All right there's a couple of interesting things here that I think are kind of worth chatting about and and worth talking about. One is this getting back to that main thing. We were talking about how I think we need to be reminded as movie fans quite often that when, by the time we do hear these announcements, they've been done deals for a long time. For example, There was actually a good period of time that passed from when James Gunn and Warner Brothers agreed for him to do Suicide Squad and when we actually found out about it. There was actually a good amount of time. After we found out about James Gunn doing Suicide Squad, it was still another good period of time after that that we found out that him and Alan Horn had made up and that James Gunn was going to be coming back into the fold and doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after he was done with Suicide Squad, finding out that he and Alan Horn actually had agreed upon that one day after James Gunn had agreed to do Suicide Squad really kind of drives that home that a lot of the stuff just dates for a long period of time. The other interesting thing about this story to me is it reminds us once again, while those of us in fandom can act very childish at times, all of us included. The guy sitting in front of the camera, every all of you watching it. Well, it's true that us fandom can actually act a lot of childish sometimes in this whole DC versus Marvel thing and getting all riled up. The reality is that a lot of the times, the principal players in Marvel and DC are actually big fans of the other company. That actually happens a lot. I mean, the very first thing that James Gunn later on describes the giddiness to Kevin Feige, like as soon as Kevin Feige found out James Gunn was doing a DC movie, he was like, Is it Superman? Like he was all excited for maybe him doing Superman, then finding out Suicide Squad. So dude, just go make a great movie. Kevin Feige went and visited the set of Suicide Squad, which I'm sure was pretty exciting for a lot of people there, having Kevin Feige there as well. And I think it's important and healthy for us as fans to remember that these principal players are actually fans of each other. Right. A lot of times the mar- the people at DC actually really like the Marvel movies and the people at Marvel really like the DC movies. And it's good for everybody when the other succeeds because they're all involved in making comic book genre movies. The better and higher profile and more popular the comic book movie genre becomes, it's good for everybody. That doesn't mean if DC makes a hit movie, that on the, automatically means the next MCU movie is going to be a hit. That doesn't mean that, but it's helpful. It's helpful. That's all. And so when I was reading this story about James Gunn actually having rejoined Marvel a lot sooner than we thought, and then finding out about Kevin Feige's enthusiasm for what he was doing over at DC, I just thought well, that was kind of fun. And you know what? I am personally still secretly hoping, and I believe, I don't know this, but I believe that once James Gunn is done Suicide Squad and he goes back over to the MCU and does Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I believe we're going to see James Gunn still do another DC movie after that again i don't know that i don't have any facts to back that up i'm just saying i kind of believe that's what's going to happen so anyway that's just kind of my thoughts on this question is guys what do you think about this story about the fact that james gunn actually rejoined the mcu a lot sooner than we thought and the apparent enthusiasm that kevin feige had for james gunn doing a dc film jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts all right guys
0: What's going on guys welcome to everything always my name's Michael Roman of course alongside all the breaking and official news regarding Spider-Man 3 and because it's filming it's time for those anonymous 4chan plot leaks to start popping up again much in the way they did at the earlier part of the year today we have a brand new one that was quickly deleted from multiple places in reddit we're going to issue the normal spoiler warning read through it word for word try to contextualize what we can what we already know about Spider-Man 3 and of course I'm going to weigh in and annotate it where necessary but first if you could go grab the subscribe button. We're still giving away this insane one fourth scale beta ray bill, as well as our third and final Infinity Saga box set. If you wanna be entered to win, all you have to do hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell, leave a like and a comment on this video. And if you want, stick around at the end of the video, get into all the giveaway stuff again there. So of course the normal and customary spoiler warning especially for anonymous leaks remember to take anything that doesn't come directly from Marvel Studios with a grain of salt but in the past some of these 4chan leaks have been absolutely correct so if this is in any way going to ruin your Marvel Phase 4 and or Spider-Man 3 experience you know yourself better than others and what you're susceptible to which definitely begs the question as to why you clicked on this video in the first place either way you've been warned as well as all these 4chan leaks don't source them on 4chan. By the time this video is posted, they usually have popped up on a couple of other subreddits. 4chan is not a safe site. Don't go there. I'm going to include the text, but again, if you need to find it for yourself, find it on Reddit. Now, let's dive right in. It starts by saying, quote, unfortunately, due to COVID, more than 70% of the film will be shot indoors, and just days ago here at the channel, we leaked those first pictures from Trillith Studios. From what we've seen so far, this seems to be true, unlike WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all shooting on location. It makes sense also they'd be green screening a lot of this especially if they'll be traveling the multiverse with doctor strange it says from what i've heard this is the heaviest tone from the trilogy and that matches the earliest plot leaks that said that this movie would be extremely dark now into the spoilers quote the film deals with the aftermath of mysterious revelations social division and political pressure to take action against spider-man peter is on the run and the only person able to contact him is mj there is a reoccurring criticism theme from the bugle a well-known benefactor, puts his bounty on Spider-Man's head. Craven is one of the candidates. Two-thirds through the movie, the bounty is called, but Kraven is still obsessed with catching Spider-Man, and he goes on to finish the post by saying, as for the role of Doctor Strange in the importance of the film, I don't know anything, and the same goes for J. Fox. Now, on that very last comment, if you hadn't heard, there are rumors that Michael J. Fox may actually be joining the cast of Spider-Man 3. It's yet to be confirmed, but a lot of people are thinking he may be playing Uncle Ben in flashbacks, as well as Doctor Strange. He is confirmed, but we don't know exactly what's going on. A lot of people are pointing to the Spider-Verse. Now, as far as this plot leak, and if there's any actual truth here, I've always said that, well, you have to kind of look at what's going on, and if the leak itself is predicated on any leaks that have come Before it. And in this case, it seems like it's predicated on quite a few that I mentioned in the prologue from coming earlier in the year. One was called Spider Man 3 Dark Plot Leak, but there's something about this not being too over flashy with details he wouldn't know, just basic overall themes that makes me think there may be some legitimacy here, as well as it ties to other certain elements of the film. And let me explain. Obviously, we already know from the intro statement the film dealing with the aftermath of Mysterio's revelations was going to be 100% in this film. We saw it in Spider Man Far Far. From home at the very last post credit scene the next about the social division and political pressure to take action against spider-man remember that miles morales leaked audition tape that started popping up everywhere on social media and then kept getting taken down yeah marvel studios and disney they don't really go out of their way to take down videos that are fake We've posted plenty of audition tapes in the past where I've sort of called them out and said these look fake. They've never been taken down. That one, however, was gone immediately anytime it popped up. And in that video, we heard Miles Morales wearing Spider-Man gear, and he was sort of ostracized and or criticized for wearing it, there seems to be two schools of thought, those who support Spider-Man and everything he stands for, and those who think he's a vigilante and responsible for the attacks in Spider-Man Far From Home, the fact that that made this into that plot leak only gives it further legitimacy. Then, the fact that Peter's on the run, the only person he would be able to contact is MJ, makes a lot of sense as well. His go-to man, Iron Man, is gone now, and if the world is definitely dealing with the aftermath of the snap and the blip in the same way that we think we'll see in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that would make sense as well. Now, all of this stuff about the Bugle, yeah, that's tied to the post credit scene. We all know John Jonah Jameson will be returning, but this thing about Kraven really makes me scratch my head. Now, look, it is actually confirmed by Sony. In case you didn't hear the report, they're working on a Craven film maybe even a two-part series that could even turn into a TV show where Kraven will be the main antagonist of the film and pitted against Spider-Man, but the film itself will be titled after and shot from his point of view, much in the way of Venom and or Morbius. And while we've guessed at which version of Spider-Man this may be, when you read this plot leak, it seems like this storyline will flow right into that Craven's Last Hunt storyline and Sony could be working in their own threads to set up storylines for later. The reason I scratch my head about this is they have two other villains coming in the next year that are way more pressing than a brand new Craven, the introduction of Venom and or Morbius that I just mentioned it would seem to me that given the opportunity the way they already have introducing Adrian Toomes Vulture into the Morbius trailer against Sony not able to help themselves as soon as they got a chance to put that in there they did They would be wanting to tie those over in some sort of way, but it could easily be the case that both Venom and Morbius were written before and now will predate the release of Spider-Man 3. And in that instance, they didn't yet have a chance to work the storylines together. I don't really know if that's true. I would think that Sony had a million contingency plans, especially given last September they almost got the rights for Spider-Man back, in which I would have anticipated Tom Holland actually showing up in both films, at this point though, it's interesting to see that Sony would want to introduce a brand new villain for which they hope to do a solo film when they've already got two prominent members here, but we'll still have to wait and see about this and how it all connects to the Sinister Six. And I think regardless of this movie focusing on Craven and or Spider-Man being on the run, we have enough members now between the Vulture, Scorpion, Morbius, Venom, either Dr. Octopus or Norman Osborn eventually showing up to bring them all together, Electro as played by Jamie Foxx. The Sinister Six is coming, and it would be really surprising no matter what they do in this film, if that isn't what the film leads to and at least leave us on that Easter egg in the post credit scene that's what I'm assuming but I'd love to hear from you guys and all of your thoughts what did you think about this plot leak it definitely was a lot more concise in what you'd expect than some of these others that have every single detail about the movie I enjoyed it for how short it was it seemed to be packed with a lot of details but of course you have to keep your skeptical mind skeptical there's no telling who posted this so let me know all your thoughts down below and quickly let's get into the giveaway stuff before I let you go we're still giving away this Insane one fourth scale beta ray bill at 750,000 subscribers, as well as our third and final Infinity Saga box set this December, probably on New Year's Eve. We're going to announce it regardless of the subscriber count. All you have to do to be entered to win and any of the future prizes here at the channel, hit the subscribe button to make sure you're a subscriber here at the channel. Then leave a comment down on this video. The more videos you comment on, because it's truly random, the better chance you have of winning. Make sure to hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the videos. And of course, if you enjoyed today's video and the content here at the channel, it's always appreciated by you hitting the like button. My name's Michael Roman. If you want to connect with me one step further, you can follow me on Instagram at IamFires or over on Twitch, that's twitch.tv forward slash Novellan n-v-e-l-l-e-n thanks for checking out the channel guys we'll be posting again real real soon
1: Welcome back everyone it's Charlie this is going to be my new Thor 4 love and thunder video they're getting ready to start filming the movie the cast has all started showing up so we'll break everything down all the Easter eggs and all the crossover with other big Avengers characters and Marvel phase 4 movies. If you're new to the channel be sure to subscribe to get all the videos there's a bunch of big stuff coming up even WandaVision episodes later this year will inform some of the stuff that's happening during Thor 4. We'll do a new Amazon giveaway all you have to do to enter is be a subscriber and let me know which other big Easter eggs you want to see during Thor 4 I know everyone's asking for Beta Ray Bill they've been talking about him for a long time now so it's just a matter of time before we see him show up. But number five recently you probably saw Chris Hemsworth, Christian Bale, the rest of the cast of the Thor 4 movie showing up in Australia the past few weeks. They've been doing pre-production for a while some of the actors have been down there longer. But the cast has been talking about the story, there's a bunch of Easter eggs and because of what we know about the other movies in the Marvel Disney Plus series plots, we now know how some of the movies are going to be connected and how the story will influence what's going on during Thor 4. This is them just posting joking about doing the first read through of the script with Taika Waititi taking a nap in the middle of the yard there, that's just a joke about his supposed legendary ability to take a nap anywhere at any time under any circumstance. Just because when you direct movies this big you typically don't sleep for five months straight just because everything's so nonstop. But the movie did get delayed because of the virus now it's coming out February 2022 originally it was going to come out November 2021 because all the Thor movies have come out in November. So not a really huge delay the Eternals movie took its spot and yes for those of you who have asked because the Eternals in the MCU are thousands of years old. Yes, Odin did know about them Thor also knows about them. It's just that in present day for pretty much what we've seen the history of the MCU movies so far going back to the first Iron Man film even Captain Marvel in the 90s they've been relatively dormant not knowing about their powers just living as normal humans amongst them. We'll probably get a trailer video for the Eternals movie when they get ready to release the Black Widow movie and that will tease some of their history like they've been living among us this entire time. But because Thor 4 is the next movie right after the Eternals movie, yeah, there'll be some connective tissue, maybe post credit scene in the Eternals movie for that. Just playing on the idea that they both have these ancient histories in the Asgardians and the Eternals go way back to the dawn of civilization. Asgardians is a race are a little bit older than the Eternals though, at least in the MCU. In the comics, it's a little bit different. Number four, Tessa Thompson was the one who actually confirmed that Christian Bale would be their main villain. There was a question for a while as whether or not it was going to happen. He's being described as an intergalactic villain, so he's not someone from Earth. And the most popular theories are that he's some combination of Gore the God Butcher and Mangog, both butchers of gods. The idea just being after Avengers endgame Thor has stormbreaker he's like the most powerful version of Thor he's ever been. So who could threaten a legit God of the MCU, but a butcher of God's Gore is just a much more complex interesting character and also if we're talking about big comic book Easter eggs from the Thor comics Jason Aaron created the Gore character. He also created the major comic book storyline for the Jane Foster Thor that they're using for the big twist of the movie. Number three the whole Jane Foster Thor announcement from comic-con last year created a lot of confusion. So here's the thing Chris Hemsworth recently said that he's gonna do more Marvel movies as Thor as you know him for the foreseeable future through Avengers 5. Whatever that movie winds up happening just because so many of the Marvel movies have been delayed. Jane Foster Thor isn't intended to replace Thor It's just them doing the big twist with Odin's enchantment. Whosoever holds this hammer, if they be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor, like when Captain America was wielding Mjolnir fighting Thanos. For that brief period, he was wielding the power of Thor himself. Even though they've been kind of weird with the way they explain Thor's power, like you technically use the hammer to channel Thor's power, the hammer itself doesn't contain the power of Thor. Like, the power was within Thor the whole time. That was what the whole joke about the god of hammers was from Odin and Thor Ragnarok. So it's really like Odin created a spell that allows Thor to share his power with other people and it sounds like at least for now the plan is Jane Foster Thor will just be a thing for this one movie and then after that she'll just go back to being regular Jane Foster and Chris Hemsworth Thor will continue to be regular Thor. In bringing it back around to WandaVision, the Darcy character who is sort of like an assistant to Jane Foster's Thor is actually going to be working in the WandaVision series. They didn't say what she'd be doing, but I'm assuming she's connected to Nick Fury in the sword agency. Natalie Portman also mentioned the cancer storyline from the comics, so it sounds like they're doing a version of that too, albeit somewhat diluted. In the Mighty Thor comic run when she was wielding the hammer, she had been suffering from a late stage four cancer and was basically on her deathbed. But every time she activated Thor's powers by summoning the hammer, the energy that she channeled was so great that it actually burned through her life force even faster. So it actually killed her a little bit each time she wielded the hammer, but she kind of wound up getting addicted to the thrill of being Thor like you do. So she just kept on doing it and doing it. So number two, where does that hammer come from? Because the main MCU version of Mjolnir was destroyed by Hela back during Ragnarok. Every time I talk about this there's always some confusion in the comments notice that Captain America takes Thor's hammer that he had stolen from the events of Thor the Dark World when he takes the infinity stones back. So he's taking Thor's hammer back to where they took it from originally. So by the time they get to the Asgardians of the galaxy scene there is now no more Mjolnir in the main MCU anymore. Also remember that MCU Thor is still worthy, so even if they had a Mjolnir that still existed he'd be able to continue dual wielding just fine for the added attack bonus. And Stormbreaker is supposed to be way more powerful than Mjolnir, at least within the MCU. Some people have wondered if Thor is just going to have the dwarves reforge the broken pieces of Mjolnir because they made the first version of the hammer. Why couldn't they do it again? But I think it'd be more interesting, especially if all the Marvel phase four movies are rolling hard on the multiverse twist that it would be way more interesting to have Jane Foster Thor wield a version of Mjolnir from the multiverse. That also helps explain the Loki twist. So for those of you that were wondering Taika Waititi confirmed that Tom Hiddleston would be in the movie as Loki. He's like we're not going to make a Thor movie without Loki that'd be weird. He didn't specify which version of Loki it would be, but because all the Disney Plus series are crossing over with the movies, it's an easy prediction to make that it would be the Loki from Avengers Endgame who escaped, created the new timeline with the Tesseract, and is getting his own Disney Plus series next spring. It's going to be a big time travel series with a bunch of time travel villains. The Time Variance Authority captures him, forces him to work for them. They're kind of like the Time Cops or the Time Lords of the MCU. But because it's a Loki from the events of the original Avengers movie he has none of the memories of original Loki after this. So he had none of that character development, none of those experiences with Thor. So he's gonna be a completely different version of the character. I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. Number one, so early theory Christian Bale's villain just presents a challenge so overwhelming that one Thor even with Stormbreaker isn't enough to stop him. He needs two Thors, that's where you get to the Jane Foster Thor twist. And then Loki arrives from the multiverse with another version of Mjolnir in tow and that's where you get her hammer. And if we're talking about multiverse here, I know a lot of you have asked about that scene of Loki wielding Mjolnir because that's actually a deleted scene from Thor the Dark World. He's just imagining himself wielding it. They could actually do a twist like that on the Loki series if it's going to be a big multiverse show they're actually going to be doing multiple versions of Loki from the comics on that they're doing kid Loki they're doing a version of female Loki maybe also a version of older Loki but they'll explain that when we get to those episodes It's going to be a while before we see a trailer for that though the whole thing with the guardians of the galaxy though per Vin Diesel is that they'll just cameo in Thor 4 then Thor's going to cameo in guardians of the galaxy volume 3. But it's mostly supposed to be minor cameos for continuity just to address what Thor's been doing with them since Avengers Endgame. And then they'll probably have a tag scene setting up Guardians 3 the same way that Thor was in Doctor Strange's post credit scene. Then they just did a longer version of that scene during Thor Ragnarok. I have been falling for 30 minutes! There's gonna be a ton of Avengers crossover happening in Marvel phase 4 movies. I just did a video about Doctor Strange showing up in Spider-Man 3. But really important reminder WandaVision is actually the first place where we'll see all that get set up. That's going to set off the big multiverse level chaos twist that's going to inform a lot of the plots of the Marvel Phase 4 movies. Scarlet Witch is going to cause a whole bunch of chaos, and they're going to feel the repercussions of that in all the different movies. So everyone let me know in the comments what are you most hyped up for in Thor 4 post all your theories in the comments and what's gonna happen is is tomorrow my Mandalorian season two episode one video is going to post make sure you have alerts enabled for my channel so you don't miss any of those episodes all the WandaVision episodes are supposed to be released after the Mandalorian season two episodes while you wait for everything click here to watch Tom Holland hilariously try to spoil Spider-Man 3 and click here for that brand new Mandalorian season 2 trailer video thank you so much for watching everyone stay safe this is the way!